With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us and Jim Jones, we're going to have some fun today on this show as one of your great friends in the broadcasting industry and an icon in the NBA, Al McCoy, 88 years old in his 49th year calling the Suns, is going to join us. And then a little bit later in the show, uh, Dr. J has created a little ruckus in the NBA with uh, his first and second team all-time <laughs> NBA, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. It'll be interesting. Uh I have a perspective I'd like people to consider based upon Julius's comments of his first and second team. But Al McCoy is a special person. Tim, he and I used to sit together for the last five or six years during the broadcast meetings in New York or wherever they were being held in New Jersey because I always wanted to learn from those that had been around the longest. And I would sit there with him, and he would say some of the most unusual, different things. The way he looked at the world, his point of view was so intriguing, and I just love the man. Oh, I look forward to talking to him. It's going to be awesome. So Al McCoy will join us. We'll talk some Cavaliers, and again, uh, we'll have a little conversation about what Dr. J had to say. But up next, the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, will join us following this timeout on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Chris Paul into the lane. Chris Paul right side. Chris Paul goes in the corner to Bridges. Another three. Shazam! 
Bridges with his second 3-0. Out it comes to Booker. Three-pointer on the way. Off the back of the rim. One good. DeAndre Ayton follows. He's got it. Ahead to Devin Booker. Booker stops at three-point range. Now drifts over to the right side. He has about a 15-foot jump shot. Twine time for D. Booker. Ball to Ayton. Back to Paul. Paul stops. Looks. Three-pointer. Shazam! And we welcome you back. It's Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Great highlight package put together right there by the guys on the other side of the window. Marty Allen along with Kurt McLaughlin. And yes, that was the play-by-play voice for the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, who just a few days ago turned 88 years old, (laughs) now in his 49th year doing the radio play-by-play for the Phoenix Suns. That's the longest tenure of any broadcaster with any team in the NBA, and it is simply remarkable. And, Al, as I was telling you before we uh, came out on the air here, you and I have never met, but I certainly feel as though I know you through some great stories. But we're really honored to have you on the show. Congratulations on this unbelievable career. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it goes by in a hurry. It's surprising. Uh, great to talk with you and, of course, Jim, who I've known forever. And uh, this has been a little bit more fun uh, this year doing the Phoenix Suns broadcast. I have to admit that. As we all know, winning certainly beats losing, and uh, the Suns are having a great year. And what do you attribute that to, Al? Well, I think there's a lot of things that transpired, and I'll be very honest with you. Uh, I think our owner who I have a good relationship with, finally decided maybe to step away and hire people that knew basketball. And the first thing he did was bring in Jim Jones, who uh, was eventually named the general manager. And he's done a terrific job in putting this team together. And then, obviously, the hiring of Monty Williams a year ago as the head coach has fit. He does such a terrific job in, in dealing with his players. And uh, they've been able to turn it around uh, a lot quicker than most people felt they could. I just want to say one thing. There's honor in longevity. And uh, every time I'm around you, Al, I don't know what to say because you're always talking anyway. But but (laughs) it's just the idea that the content of what you talk about just seems to make sense. I want to stay on this young team, but then I want to ask you about someone I know that you were dear and close to was Connie Hawkins, and uh, Hawk was my favorite player. But, but I say all this just to talk about James Jones was with us, and I remember that he and I used to have some great discussions. And I told him, I said, you know what, you're going to be a general manager one day. He said, Jones, I'm trying because of his humility and his acute understanding of how the game is played today. Did you find the same thing in him? No question about it, Jim. You're right on target. You know, it's interesting. When he was with us as a player, he lived near me, and we used to go to games together quite often, so I got to know he and his wife, family, very well, and always respected him because, as you say, he was was dealing for something down the line. He was learning the game, learning the front office, learning how to put teams together. And when he finally got the opportunity here in Phoenix, uh, as we would say, he's made a lot of hay. He's made a lot of right moves. Again, we're talking with... Al McCoy, the voice of the Phoenix Suns, this is his 49th year in calling Phoenix Suns basketball. And Al, uh, obviously, we would have to do a three-hour show for you to take us through your history with the Phoenix Suns. But, boy, did you ever think when you first got the job that at 
88 years young, and you sound young on those highlight calls uh, that you'd still be calling the Suns. Well, you know, the games are still fun. I still love uh, the hoops, the basketball, and I still love the games. And I guess as far as that interest is there, I keep going. I, I tell people when they throw that ball up to start the game, it's still exciting. And as long as it is, I'll, I'll probably hang around. But uh, getting back to how this team was put together, and of course, as you know, they did a good job of putting things together. But certainly, uh, the top of the list would be the addition of CP3. Chris Paul, I know both of you are very familiar with the way he plays the game and his background, but he truly has been the icing on the cake for the Suns this year. Well, one of the things that I know about Chris Paul is his toughness. And the other thing that I've learned about him over the years is that he's a teacher. He is a teacher. And, uh, and you and I both know that it takes patience to be a teacher, and there's a certain way that you have to talk to these young people today just to hold their attention. But he seems to have done that. I think you probably feel the same way I do, Jim. I always knew Chris Paul was an outstanding player. I just yes. didn't know how good he really was, seeing him every day, game by game. He just sees the, the game so well. And he does whatever it takes. If he has to score, he scores. If he has to move the ball around, he does. If he needs to play defense, that's what he does. But he sees the game uh, just about uh, better than any point guard I can remember. And as you know, Jim, the Suns have had some great uh, point guards through the years. We can start with Steve Nash and Jason Kidd and Kevin Johnson and go right on down the line. But he certainly has been just really, as I mentioned, the key to the Suns' success. And CP3, and it's amazing. We talk about the age and players. He's certainly not a teenager anymore, but you'd never know it the way he plays the game. Oh, he's a remarkable player. Again, talking with Al McCoy, the voice of the Phoenix Suns. And, Al, you mentioned all those great players. And as the Suns have evolved, uh, so has the game as far as the NBA is concerned. Uh, Going back to when you started 1971, to now where you get 40 to 53 balls per game. Uh, What do you think of the evolution of the game of basketball? Well, don't be surprised. I don't like it. (laughs) I I don't like the way the game is played. Now, I guess you can say, well, I'm an old-timer, and I liked when Jim was playing, as a matter of fact. It's changed. Uh, The three-point shot obviously has changed the entire approach to the game. And I know what the league wants. They want uh, a lot of points scored. Uh, they feel the fans love it. It gives the teams an opportunity to get back into a game with three-point shooting. But the game has changed, no question about it. And, uh, you know, uh, I still enjoy, as I mentioned earlier, it's still fun to watch great players in action. But I do kind of prefer the way it used to be played. But that's just me. And I'm not making, they aren't calling me to make any big decisions about it from the NBA office. <laughs> All right, we're going to sneak in a quick timeout. We are thrilled to have Al McCoy, the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, joining us here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll hear more from Al after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. but the Suns can just run the clock out here with a dozen seconds remaining. And uh, eight seconds, six seconds, Cameron Payne handing the ball out front. This has two seconds remaining, and look out. 
This is the Suns will be in the playoffs as they have won this game, defeated the Los Angeles Clippers in a big victory. They never trailed in the entire ball game. Al McCoy, the voice of the Phoenix Suns, joining us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. Al sitting in the legend's chair, as we call it, and certainly he has had a legendary career as the voice of the Suns, as we mentioned during his intro, now in his 49th year calling Suns basketball at the age of 88. And, of course, Al, uh, you were inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2007, and our dear friend and beloved here in Cleveland, Joe Tate, uh, was inducted three years later in 2010. In fact, uh, his trophy sits right here in the radio room where we tape this show. Talk about your relationship with Joe. As I told you before we started today, I feel as though I know you through Joe because he had so many great Al McCoy stories. But, boy, you two go a long, long way back. Uh, talk about that special relationship. Well, I'm glad you asked him because uh, he was certainly one of my favorite guys of all time among the broadcasters. Our careers kind of paralleled one another. I had done some, some baseball during my career. Uh, with the, the Diamondbacks here. And I think uh, a lot of the way that we approached our broadcast was the same. Uh, both Joe and I believed in having a little fun from time to time on the broadcast. And we all know he had some of the greatest lines that keep things moving along. He, he loved the game, as I do, and he approached it that way. And uh, he certainly was one of my favorites, as I mentioned, among the broadcasters and his tenure certainly uh, always will be remembered in Cleveland. No question about it. Al, uh, Joe was my mentor also. We started out uh, together, and uh, after all the slapping of my hands with his pen, uh, I finally came around, and I finally learned to broadcast. But, you know, I want to talk about Connie Hawkins and the Van Arsdale twins. Those were so unique. Those two, those three guys were just unbelievable. Uh, Could you give us a a quick Connie Hawkins story? Connie Hawkins uh, was not only one of the greatest ever to lace him on and play this game, but he was that way as a person. And he was one of my closest friends right until uh, the very end. And uh, I I was also inducted into the Phoenix Suns Ring of Honor, and Hawk wanted to be there so badly. And uh, he, he was very ill and was hospitalized here in Phoenix, and he still wanted to come, and he thought he'd be able to make it. He couldn't. The next day he called me with tears, uh, apologizing and, and uh, that he wasn't able to be there. I think more than any single individual, the Hawk, Connie Hawkins, brought basketball to Phoenix in the state of Arizona. Because, uh, you know, Phoenix was kind of out in the hinterlands as far as national sports was concerned. And when the Hawk came, he changed that, not only with his play, Jim, but he was such a great individual. We all know his background, how he came up, and what he went through in his lifetime. But just a quick story, and I'll never forget, the Suns would have a, a shoot-around the day of a game. And after the shoot-around, he'd be going back to where he was living, and he'd go by a park, and there'd be a bunch of young kids playing basketball. Hawk would stop, get out of his car, and probably spend a half hour shooting baskets with these kids. And uh, he loved everybody. And as I said, he did more than any single individual to bring the game of basketball to Arizona. 
and he was always concerned about helping other people. I just can't tell you enough good things about the, about the hawk. I'll tell you one classic story, and I'll, I'll try and make it short. We were playing Kansas City when they had games in Omaha, Nebraska. They played some games in Kansas City and some in Omaha. And the Hawks book had just come out. And uh, he and uh, David Wolf, who was the author of the book, were on a road trip with us. And he was doing interviews all over the country. And we played in Chicago the night before and had lost an overtime game and were flying the next morning into Omaha. And I was sitting with Hawk on the plane. And he said, man, he said, I'm tired. I'm beat. We had that overtime game last night. He said, I'm just getting to the hotel because we had a game that night and get some rest. And uh, But he said, I think they're going to have somebody meet me at the plane. I have to do some interviews. He said, I hope I'd be able to get out of that. Well, we landed in Omaha. It was only 10 below zero. And uh, <laughs> he was met by some people, and he was to go to radio and TV stations and newspapers, so off he went. Okay, now it's game time, and our hotel was just a couple of blocks away from the arena there in Omaha. And I was there at the arena, and I went into our locker room and looked around, and, and no hawk. He wasn't there. So I said to our longtime trainer, Joe Prosky, who uh, you remember, Jim, yep, I said, where's the Hawk? And <laughs> Prosky said, I don't know. I've been trying to call his room. I can't get an answer. And he said, I just sent a, a ball boy up there to the hotel to try and find him. Well, what had transpired was Hawk had done these interviews, and David Wolf, uh, the guy that wrote the book, had told him, he said, just stay here in my suite and take a nap. And he said, uh, I'll call you when it's time to go to the arena. Well, no one called Hawk. So uh, he uh, finally, they get hold of him, he gets there, and uh, the game starts, and he's it's just it's getting suited up. So at the end of the quarter, he comes out, and my broadcast location was courtside there, and he comes over and he leans on my table, and he looks at me, and I'm away for a commercial break for the start of the second quarter, and I said, hey, Hawk, where you been? What's going on? And he looked at me, and he said, real? And he always called me real as in the real McCoy, you can imagine. He said, real, look at it this way. If this was baseball and this was a doubleheader, I'd be early for the second game. <laughs> oh, and that was, that was Connie Hawkins. He always had a great line, but what a beautiful person. And you mentioned the Van Arsdales. Yes. Uh, by the way, Tom just has a book out, which I think you would enjoy. And uh, they were two of, the, two of the best. I have twin boys myself. So my mm -hmm. two boys are very close with them. And uh, Tom always says that he played more games than any player in the NBA but never had a playoff game. But uh, they were two great competitive guys. Dick, of course, was with us for years. And when he retired, he was my color analyst for 15 years on television and radio. Oh, okay. So uh, they still live here in Phoenix. Uh, I talk to him all the time, very close to him, two of the best. Uh, we, we've been so fortunate. And that's one of the things that I really miss today. Obviously, the players are very young. We draft them out of daycare centers now. And, uh, <laughs> and you, you know the situation, of course. Oh, yes. And, but oh, I yes. miss that camaraderie that I had with Jim Jones and with players and our own players. You just don't have that anymore. And, of course, now during the pandemic, we can't yes. do any one-on-ones with players or coaches. And that's the thing that I really miss. Not to take a lot of your time here, but again, oh, I no. didn't want to give oh, you no. that story on the Hawk because he was always my main man. Oh, no that's question. a great story. And I'm going to try to squeeze in one more guy. I know we're down to a couple of minutes left here, Al, but boy, he left us far too soon and such a legend in Phoenix. Your thoughts and uh, recollections of Paul Westfall. 
Well, Westy was one of a kind. Uh, how many guys can you name on one hand that played with a team that was in the NBA Finals and then coached the team that was in the NBA Finals? Mm. Paul just had a tremendous knack of how to play the game. He had tremendous knowledge of the game. We could go over so many plays that happened when he was a player that turned games around. And then as a coach, how he was able to handle players. And then, of course, as, a, as an individual, as a person, uh, Paul Westball was just a terrific individual. Everybody loved Paul, and our players are recognizing his passing on their uniforms this year. Yep. And Paul Westball, a vital part of any history of the Phoenix Suns. All right, 30 seconds. Game 5, 76 NBA Finals, double overtime against Boston. One of your top five games ever? Well, that one would have to be certainly considered. And, of course, we had another triple overtime game when we played Chicago in the NBA Finals. But the Boston was something special. And very quickly, I went to my broadcast location that night, and it was a late start due to national TV. They had fans sitting right next to my broadcast location. And we tried to get it ironed out, but we couldn't get it changed. And the game started, and these three or four guys came in with bags of a beer and wine and chips, and they're oh having a party. And every time Celtics would make a big play, the guy sitting next to me would bump me on the arm. Hey, how about that? How about the Celtics? Well, when Garfield heard hit the shot, yes. heard round the yes. world, that centered into a triple overtime, the guy next to me passed out on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to look down on the floor where all pandemonium had broken loose and get this guy off my lap. And I realized at that time in 1976 that broadcasting NBA basketball might be a little tougher than I thought it was when I was growing up on a farm in Iowa. Who knows? But that was something else. Oh, man. We have got to have you back, Al. I'm no sure there's, about it, Al. there's more stories to share. This is this is great. But unfortunately, uh, this time has come to a conclusion. But we have been thrilled to have you. And, again, congratulations on just this unbelievable career in the NBA and specifically with the Phoenix Suns. Well, Tim, nice to talk with Thank you. Thank you, Al. I do have to Love mention you, that Jim knows this. He was always yeah. one of my favorites as a player. But more so, he's one of my favorites as a person. Jim, good to have a chance to visit with you. Thank that you, Al. Awesome. I appreciate it very much. Al McCoy, the voice of the Phoenix Suns, joining us as he was very comfortable in the Legends chair. We'll have more on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, right after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. The Cavaliers Fit as a Pro is a season-long program that encourages youth to live an overall healthy lifestyle through physical fitness and well-balanced nutrition. In April, 7th grade students from R.B. Chamberlain Middle School in Twinsburg joined in-arena host Ahmad Crump and members of the Powerhouse Dance Team in a virtual event to focus on their physical, social, and mental wellness. A great time was had by all. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with more Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.
Welcome back to Cavs HQ. It's presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Other side of the window, Marty Allen and Kirk McLaughlin, along with Leo Simone. Oh, Jim, how special was that? Al McCoy, what a great guest in the Legends chair. And, well, you talk about on the broadcast side of the NBA, truly a legend. You know, you think of the Celtics, you think of Johnny Most, you think of the Lakers, Chick Hearn, of course, right here in Cleveland, our own Joe Tate, and Al McCoy. 49 years as the voice of the Phoenix Suns. That's a gentleman we've got to have back in the legends chair. Well, think about it like this. He's been in Phoenix so long that if if anybody's been up and down Camelback uh, in the last few years, as far as you can see, Tim, there's nothing but stores, malls, and residents. But when we started playing out there, and I go all the way back to the Pan Am games when I was still at Marquette, and we spent a couple weeks in Phoenix. You could go down Camelback, and all you could see was desert. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Al has been there so long. He is a legend. They talk about the players, but they give Al McCoy equal respect because their grandfathers, uh, their fathers, and even their great grandfathers have grown up with Al McCoy. Yeah, that was that was an awesome conversation. So again, we thank Al for stopping by and joining us here on. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. So, Jim, I want to delve into a topic here. Uh, boy, it's several days ago now, actually. Uh, Dr. J was on a, uh, a podcast. He was on Post It Up, and he was asked about his top players of all time and his uh, top NBA teams, per se. And, boy, he created uh, a little bit of a ruckus, especially on social media, when his first team was the big O, Oscar Robertson, along with Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Elgin Baylor. And then his second team, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Carl Malone, and Kareem. And, of course, there's one glaring absence from uh, his first and second team, uh, LeBron James. And, boy, it sparked conversation. So I thought it would be interesting to, to get your thoughts and some feedback uh, on a well-respected guy in the NBA with his career in Dr. J. Well, l- let me start out this way, Tim. I don't have a problem with Julius making his picks. That's that's his point of view. And I'm sure that 10 or 15 years from now, well, let's, let's say within the next 5 or 10 years, you'll have guys like uh, Harden, uh, uh, Durant, and Curry either on someone else's first or second team that was a veteran player. It just seems like it's it's an event or it's a choice made just specifically on the times. But let's go back a little differently because one of the points that Julius made was that LeBron was organizing all these super teams and uh, that's why, like, he always needed help. Well, basketball is a team sport. Let me, and I'm not trying to defend LeBron. I'm just trying to give you another perspective. Basketball is a team sport. And usually the most talented uh, teams win most of the times. And the percentages are with me, analytically speaking and uh, through past history. The other thing is this, is that some of these guys back then were almost forced to stay with these teams when ownership and the coaching never extended themselves to take some risks and go out and get other players that could complement their so-called super players. So you might play somewhere for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years and never get a ring. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Elgin, <clears throat> Baylor. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happened a lot of times. 
Well, things have changed. And the reason that was because there was no incentive for ownership to go out and get other players because the money just, the economics just weren't there, Tim. They weren't there. They, most teams couldn't afford to have two or three other super players and pay them all that money. When the league contract at that time, most of it was uh, play, play the championship game the next day. Hold your ears when they, when they uh, showed the results or talked about the results the day of. You know, that's where our league was at. But what's happened then, what happened, is everything changed. The economics changed. And many of these teams, even in small markets, our team wasn't like that. We've always had an aggressive owner. But other teams, they said, listen, why should we go out and develop a super team when we're going to get the same piece of the cake at the end of the at the end of the season? So there wasn't a lot of incentive for management to go out and try to create these super teams just to win a championship because they were all going to get the same amount of money split among the 30 teams. But what happened, the players sitting there saying, listen, I've been here six, seven, eight years, and I've got the, I'm playing with the same kind of guys, and I'm not getting any closer to winning a championship. So with the mobility of the league, through collective bargaining, players were allowed at the end of their contract to go out and, and pursue happier grounds. And LeBron's not the first. There's been a lot of players that have done that. And uh, that's where we are right now. And I think you need to consider that. I don't care who Julius picks. That's his opinion. You know, and, uh, and maybe it gives more credence because of his superstar Hall of Fame status. But that's not the issue. The issue is that the times have changed. And that change and those changes precipitated uh, to try a new way to develop a winning team because the benefits way outweighed the risks if you could be with a super team. Wow, that's a fascinating look at that. I do want to ask you, so in the end, who should form the teams? And I ask this not taking either side. Should it be ownership and general managers and those type of people, or should the players themselves have the ability or have the decision-making to say, we're going to form these teams? It's a, it's a fascinating debate. Well, it is, but the debate has ended quickly because players do have that power. You have to remember that through collective bargaining, everything is split 50-50. You know, you know after you pay bills, there's a 50-50 split. So they're both indirectly on level ground as far as uh, having that ability. But in order for you to receive a player, management has to accept that player. And so, and so it works both ways. It, it, it works both ways and it has to work together for a player to leave and for a player to change. They thought by putting in the Larry Bird rule, it would slow some of the movement down because no one could pay you more than your own team you were, you were with. But it hasn't because the players have other sources of income so they could take less from a team they wanted to be with and have it compensated by a shoe company or some other outside interest that was paying them economically. So, so, that, so that didn't hold up. And Tim, I'm telling you, it, there's really no debate. The players do have the power to have movement, but ownership does have the problem to reject it. And what fool would reject Le, LeBron James coming either back to Cleveland or going out to L.A. or going to Miami? Of course they're going to accept it because the benefits of winning with that kind of team are astronomical. Very well said. All right, we're going to take a quick time out when we come back as we hit the home stretch here in the 2021 Cavaliers season. 
We'll be joined by Joe Gabriel from Cavs.com just to kind of see what the last few games may entail and perhaps look ahead a little bit. So stay with us. Joy G. Jones, <laughs> Joe G. joins us next on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Oh, that's good stuff. Marty Allen and Kurt McLaughlin, as well as Leo Simone on the other side of the window, keeping things rolling on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And joining us during this segment, now, Joe G., we can't quite say you're sitting in a legend's chair, but in the (laughs) Cavs community, you are a legend. Joe G., Joe Gabriel from Cavs.com. Great to have you with us. I feel like maybe I'm like a little kid. It's like one of those big chairs, and I'm like just sitting like in the corner. I'm real small. <laughs> well, early, earlier in the show, we had Al McCoy on. Now, that's a guy deserving of a legend's chair introduction. Unbelievable yeah, I mean, career. I'm, I'm in like a chase lounge or a folding chair. Or something like that. <laughs> well, Joe, the, uh, the Cavs season winding down. Uh, eight games remaining. Hard to believe uh, we're at that wow. point already, and... Uh, just kind of looking back, certainly we've got some games still to play, but uh, just your thoughts on how this season has unfolded as uh, you've taken it all in from Cavs.com. Well, I'll tell you, sometimes it's fun. To, here's a game I kind of do with myself. If you've been doing this long enough, you start having to do this. Look at the team at the beginning of the year and then compare it to where it is now. And think about this. Think about who your starting centers were. Just, I mean, just for that, uh, it was Andre Drummond and Javale McGee. Now you have... Jared Allen and Isaiah Hartenstein, they're both 23 years old. Again, Jared Allen looks like a real piece for the future. And Isaiah Hartenstein, who I didn't know much about, he's impressive. i got to say, he's yes, impressive. He, he gives you everything JaVale McGee does, kind of, maybe minus the shot blocking. And he's tough. He does, you know, he, He's active. He's, I don't know. So there's just one position, and we could talk about one through five, but there's one position Look where it is from the beginning of the year to where it is now. Moving forward. How about the development of the youngsters, and especially Darius Garland? Yeah, I mean, he's what – a, what a great month of April he had. Incredible, right? Uh, he's, he's growing by the game. Now the assist numbers are coming up, and you saw when you brought Kevin Love in, if, if he didn't do anything, Darius' assist numbers was going to go up to space in the floor, so – Again, he's doing it with uh, scoring, assist-wise. It's been amazing. Joseph, uh, one of the things, you know, that I've that I've noticed, and I'm sure you notice, and I read all your stuff, uh, and I'm sorry, but I do steal some of the stuff. I just change the places <laughs> and locations. So uh, I put it in my commentary. I hope you don't mind. I didn't give you credit, though, Joe. It's all coming from me. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah. I look look at a lot of your stuff all the time because your perspective on where we're at as a team and what we need to be doing and what you've observed is is really rare in this business, as you know. But anyway, I got that off my mind. But the other thing is this. Uh, uh, Anytime. Uh, Okuro, talk about him. I'm trying to get other people's perspective. I have my own. You know that. But... Mm-hmm. Tell, talk, talk to us about Isaac Okoro. Uh, Jim, I'm so glad you had it because I was going to go to him next. I, he, to me, is 
just impressive. I, I, don't, I don't even have, no, no good word for the kid. He's, he's rugged. He's durable. Nothing phases him. And, again, Jim, you play the game. Like, he's got the, one of the most difficult parts of the game down now. <laughs> yes, he, he can does. defend, and he can defend at a high <laughs> level against really one through four. And what can't he do on offense? And, again, he's a rookie. He's going to struggle. All rookies do. He can shoot the three. His stroke looks fine. He's uber-athletic. He can get to the rim almost at will when, he's, when he uh, gets it together. I mean, that kid on both ends is going to be dynamic. I can't wait to see him. You know, it's almost like he fits. I mean, the chemistry was almost there from day one. He sort of stayed within himself and, you mm-hmm. know, just made it work for everybody. And, and what can we say about the consistency of uh, Sexton, of Colin Sexton? Wow. <laughs> Never has a, a nickname fit a player better than him. I mean, that dude oh, is That's right. <laughs> I mean, he is like a machine. You know, I hate to say he's like a machine. Uh, you know, I, you know he, he's tough. He's, dur- you know, for the most part, durable. Uh, you know, and, and again, the, we go back to you, Jim. The, the ability to, you know, as J.B. Bickerstaff would say, Roll out of bed and score 20 points in an NBA game is not, <laughs> I mean, that's not a common thing. There's 450 of these dudes in the world. So, again, I know the record is, is what it is, but, man, there's some really nice pieces for the future. You just got to keep building. Absolutely. Again, we're talking with Joe Gabriel. He joins us from Cavs.com or perhaps as you know him, Joe G. And as Jim just said, uh, I hope all the listeners are reading Joe's stuff on Cavs.com because it is really, yeah, it is really, really good. So as the season winds down, Joe, and certainly it's one that we will all remember for just everything that surrounded it as far as COVID was concerned, what has been the biggest change or the biggest challenge for you in working in the world that we had to work in as far as this uh, 2021 campaign was concerned? Well, I mean, uh, I'm not going to be a downer here, but this year's, it, I'm going to say I, it sucked for me <laughs> in that uh, my job, uh, I consider, I like to get to know the players as people. I, you know, again, everybody can read the stats and watch the games, but we have, all three of us have the rare prism to be able to meet them as people mm-hmm. somewhat. You know, they're not going to be your best buddies. Meet them as people and then kind of amplify that. And we are the, the looking glass into their world. And having Zoom calls and having group interviews and not being able to talk to the guys or travel with them, it's, it's, it's stunk. <laughs> so I can't wait for next year uh, to get back to meeting the guys getting in the gym and, and, and here in practice and all of it. Uh, I, I think I speak for all three of us when I say I can't wait to get back to to the courts and watch the guys do it. But, Joe, I'm disappointed in you. You left out one thing, the hmm. per diem. How could you leave, <laughs> oh how could you leave out How could you leave out the play money? Oh, I'm sorry. How could you leave the per diem out? John Michael and I talk about it all the time. That's the only way that we can keep money in our pockets when we get home. Because we don't tell our <laughs> wife that we kept the per diem. <laughs> Jim, I buried the lead. Thanks, Jim. I, I, I really I appreciate that. Did, oh, my God. That little brown envelope. Right. In, man, there's nothing better. And so, <laughs> Jim, 
you're 100% right. I screwed up. I missed the per diem more than anything. <laughs> now, see, I have to say, Joe G, that when I sit right in front of you and Rafa on the plane, I really miss you two just chattering all yeah. night long, even on a late night flight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's, it's great being with Rafa, sitting next to Rafa, <laughs> and don't take this through, when the team's winning. He's You're sitting there and you're trying to write and you're trying to be somber and there he is being and he, you know, again, he can't help himself. He's loud, he's boisterous, he's laughing at everything. <laughs> so hey, hey Joe, I texted him the other day and I gave him a compliment and well it was a compliment for me to give, but I don't know how he took it. But but people don't know that how how really exceptional Rafa is. And I know you're his best friend, and you guys spend a lot of time together, especially on the road and stuff. Uh, people don't really know how good Rafa is, but if you look at his resume, it's frightening. It's frightening the, all the things that he's participated in. And I, oh. and in the and in the text, I said, Rafa, I, I wish my Spanish was better, because I'm in awe of him all the time. He, to me, he is our best play-by-play uh, 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 -play guy. I mean, he is exceptional. He's something special. I mean, we, again, we we kind of take him for granted because he's so goofy. Sure, he's yeah. always breaking chops and he's always being Rafa. And he, you know, he's always, you know, he's a serial texter on top of everything else. And it's just yeah. like we take him for granted. But Jim, you're right. I mean, the guy's called Final Fours and heavyweight <laughs> championships and Super Bowls and World Series. He's the yeah. PA announcer in Mexico City every year for Monday Night Football. <laughs> uh, you know, he just, you know, he finally calls his first hockey game. And he calls the game-winning goal in overtime. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh you, you know goodness. what? And we say, stuff happens to him. He's yeah. that guy. The Final Four, Suggs, this past this past year. Yeah, that's right. And he got to call one and of the most miraculous shots ever. He's yeah. one of those guys, man. Unbelievable. Joe G., mm -hmm. this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we've got some off-season shows coming up, so I'm sure we'll be chatting with you then. But, uh, hey, it's been an interesting campaign. And as you said, uh, all three of us are already looking forward to next year. Oh, that envelope, guys. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, and the envelope, of course. Thank you, Joe G. Appreciate Thanks, Joe. It. Joe Gabriel from Cavs.com joining us here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll put the finishing touches on this one after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Boy, a huge, huge thanks goes out to Al McCoy for joining us early on as far as our Legends chair was concerned. And then Joe Gabriel from Cavs.com as we put the finishing touches somewhat on this 2021 regular season. Many people to thank, of course, Kurt McLaughlin. Marty Allen, Leo Simone on the other side of the window. Jim Jones, a great big thank you to you. And, of course, the biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back with you again on Tuesday night. Cavs will be back at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on Tuesday when they take on the Phoenix Sun. So until then, so long, everybody. Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.